Hey, Parkview, I'm glad you're here this weekend. I really want to tell you uh, I'm excited for you. Shanti Feldhan is going to be speaking today. Uh, she is a Harvard-trained graduate degree researcher uh, who worked on you know, Wall Street and, and somehow, and she'll tell you the story, somehow fell into this idea of researching social things, especially when it comes to men and women and, and their needs and, and how things work uh, as it regards to in regards to intimacy, in regards to just, you know, the men are from Mars, women are from Venus thing. But but she's a woman, so she brings her own perspective. And I'm excited for that because I want you to hear from her. She They've sold two million, she and her husband, Jeff, do this together. They've sold two million copies of their books. Uh, they've been on, you know, been New York Times, been on the Today Show, all these kinds of places. And it's a unique perspective because it's not what you're hearing from the world a lot of times, uh, but it's stuff that helps us figure out how God makes us and, and how it's all going to work together. So I guess I don't need to do it for her. I brought her here so that you could have her here. She's been here before, but would you welcome Shanti Feldhan? Good morning, everybody. It is awesome to be back with you all. You all have grown since I was here last. I'm awesome to be here at the Orland Park campus and um, really, really also uh, enjoying having the chance to speak to the other campuses. I'm not sure you guys were here last time, Homer Glenn and New Lenox, and all of you joining us online. Um, thanks so much for having me here. I, um, I have to tell you, I was so excited when I heard that your church was doing, you know, Pastor Tim and the team called and said, we're doing, what are they calling this sermon series? The Pina Colada series, I guess. And they were saying, we're going to be using the Pina Colada song to talk about marriage. And would you be interested in joining us? And I'm like, absolutely. And they're like, and we want you to do the week of making love at midnight in the dunes of the Cape, we want you to talk about sex. And I'm like, great. Oh, and Pastor Tim won't be there. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Toss me that one. And actually, no, it is excellent. Um, because as a social researcher, as Pastor Tim said, we've been studying men and women and marriages and all sorts of avenues that relate to everything about marriage and relationships and parenting and leadership and in workplace. We've done interviews and surveys with more than 20,000 men and women over the last 16 years with these massive nationally representative studies. And in all of that, I can tell you that it is absolutely one of the most big, one of the biggest surprises that I got over the years is just how much in marriage, just how much this topic of physical intimacy is inextricably intertwined with having all kinds of intimacy in marriage. And that really is what I want to bring to you all today, is that when we talk about creating an intimate marriage, the way God has designed it, is physical and emotional intimacy are completely intertwined. You can't talk about one without the other. There's a great passage um, in Genesis that actually, when you talk about this topic, Paul, in his letters, refers back to the Genesis story and there's this imagery there of where God creates Eve, you know, where he creates the first woman out of Adam's rib, and he, he presents her. It says he brings her, he presents her to the man. And the image there is almost like 
Are any of you parents where you've given your kids a Christmas present or you're about to give them a Christmas present and you, it's just going to be the best present ever and you're so excited. You guys know what I'm talking about. That feeling of being so excited because you know they are going to go bananas when they get this present. That's almost the picture there where God is like, you are going to love this. You know, here's this wife for you. And, and Adam does, and he replies when he sees Eve, the, he just exclaims, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He is so excited. And then there's a narrative comment that comes along where the Bible says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be inextricably bonded to his wife, cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. It's the same word that Adam use, uses where he says, this is flesh of my flesh. And the Bible says, they'll become one flesh. And the word there is actually talking about two people truly becoming one. And there's no way, obviously, for us to be physically one, but it's as if something supernatural happens and these two people become absolutely, inextricably one so much that they're almost like one person. And that is the type of intimacy that God wants for us in our marriages. That is what Adam was saying. That is the goal. That's what God has designed marriage to look like. And listen, we know it doesn't always work that way. We live in a fallen world. We're, we're selfish people. But that is ultimately God's design and God's goal. And it's, it's amazing once we actually learn some new things, have our eyes opened to a few things, just how much easier it is and more simple to get to that goal of oneness and intimacy than we realized. Because God wouldn't design it to be super hard and complicated. This is his goal for us. So how do we get there? There's so many ways to, you know, so many things that we've studied over the years and you guys have talked about in this marriage series, great things that make wonderful marriages. And you know, we don't have to go into all of that, but Pastor Tim and his team asked me to come and share because I've been studying some of these things over these years. What creates intimacy specifically? Not just physical, but emotional because they are so connected. What is it that leads to that? And so what I'm going to be bringing you is actually from the research that we did. Some of you might remember or recognize these books, For Women Only and For Men Only, to help us understand one another, there is so much emotionally going on underneath the surface in us as women and as men. And so this is based on all these interviews and surveys that we've done over the years. So I'm bringing you this based on the data. Now, that said, I also need to say I'm going to be making generalizations and there's always exceptions, just so you know. I mean, by definition, if I say 75% of men said this way, by definition, 25% didn't, right? Everybody's an individual. The key is for you to have your eyes open to this and go, does this impact my husband? Does this impact my spouse? Is this how they think, you know, get out to the parking lot and close the doors and turn to each other and say, is this true? <laughs> 
right? Is this really what you're thinking? It's to start a conversation. And, 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 and there are three things that we're going to be tackling. Let me just mention, there are going to be three things that we think and, and can see statistically that build intimacy. The first of those things is to actually be aware of what tears down intimacy so we can avoid it. And then the second is, what is it specifically that we've seen that really does build that sense of closeness that we're all longing for? And that is really mostly those two things are on the emotional side before we even get to the physical side. And the third is, what builds that physical intimacy? What builds that physical connection between us that God has designed in marriage? Now, I need to also make a keynote for the singles out there. You know, as, as we've gone, I'm sure other people have said this, Pastor Tim and others, but I want to say it to you too. If you're single, if you're dating or you want to be dating, or maybe you're... Maybe you were married before and you're looking back and, and going, what do I need to do differently next time? All so much of this is so crucial to learn early. So this is stuff that is so foundational that as you learn it and absorb it, it makes an eventual marriage. If you're called to marriage, it makes that marriage so much better down the road. Okay. So the first thing that I want to tackle that we want to talk about is what is it that, that really hurts intimacy? What is it that tears it down that we didn't realize would, would hurt our spouse? And here's the bottom line for you to know, and this is so universal in all of the studies we've done for these books, about roughly 80% of men and 80% of women-ish, sort of depending on the survey, it turns out we have two very different sets of underground insecurities, underground vulnerabilities, self-doubts that are running underneath the surface of our hearts. And if that's true, then what it means for you is that by definition, something different is going to hurt your spouse's feelings than would hurt yours. And we don't necessarily realize it. Essentially, without intending to, we are hitting a raw nerve in our spouse. And we wouldn't want to. We're hurting their feelings, and they don't necessarily know how to say it or even that it's a legitimate thing to have their feelings hurt in this way. And so there is an explosion that happens of power and grace once we realize I just didn't know and that we work to avoid those things that hurt each other and tear that down. So here's the, the bottom line underneath all of this. Here's what we found, again, about 80%-ish of, of men and women. For us as women, the question in our hearts is essentially, am I lovable? Am I special? Am I beautiful? Am I worthy of being loved for who I am on the inside? And so because of that question, we love to feel loved, right, ladies? We love to feel cherished and that he adores us. And honestly, that's kind of think of we, what we think is the whole point of having the relationship. <laughs> right, ladies? Like, if you're not going to feel loved, what's the point? <laughs> And it's a surprise for us as women to find out that for men, that's not the point at all. And the men on the survey had a totally different question. 
their doubt, their insecurity, their vulnerability is, am I able? Am I adequate? Do I measure up? Am I any good at what I do on the outside? Am I worthy of being loved for who I am on the inside? Am I any good at what I do on the outside? Totally different. So it lends itself to a totally different set of primary needs, which is what we'll talk about in a second. Now, to some degree, I need to say, we're all insecure about everything and we all need everything, right? The key is, Understanding what is most likely to hit a nerve you didn't know was there and what is most likely to really result in that sense of intimacy and closeness that we're all longing for, okay? So let's talk to the women first about the dudes in the room, (laughs) about the men um, who are listening to this. Um, So ladies, here's the the bottom line about what is going to most hit um, that nerve. So it turns out that we, as we go along our day, our daily lives, we can send a message, and it's about sending a message, really, that we didn't know we were sending. And it's any little thing of life that tells him, I think you are inadequate. That's it. Little things. I think you are inadequate. I think this thing you just did is inadequate. Let me give you an example. So we, um, we had just released the, um, the new editions of For Women Only and For Men Only, and I was flying back home from a women's conference to film the DVD that goes along with these, and, um, you know, talking next to the guy next to me on the airplane, and I, I should confess, I interview every man I come across. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for the guy who's trapped next to me on the airplane for two hours, you know? But if he's bored and he's reading Sky Magazine, he's fair game. Anyway, so I, uh, I was talking to this guy, and as he starts talking about his relationship with his wife, I could see his shoulders slump a little bit, and he looked a little defeated, and he said a phrase that I had heard so many times from my husband. His name is, his name is Jeff. And I had heard this from Jeff, and I had no idea what he was talking about. And ladies... I know probably half of us in this room have heard our man say this phrase and had no idea what he meant. So he, this guy says, look, I love my wife, but nothing I do is ever good enough for her. Okay? And now, I, because of the research, I thought I knew what he meant. But I said, can, can, you, um, can you give me an example? Because I always learn better from examples, you know. And he said, absolutely, I'll just tell you something that happened last night. And he described that they had had friends over for dinner and the kitchen was kind of a wreck and his wife had to run out to a meeting. And she said, honey, would you be willing to clean the kitchen so that when I come home, we can go right to bed? And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. And he, he said, so I cleaned the kitchen. And she comes home from her meeting and kisses me on my cheek and looks over my shoulder into the kitchen and goes, huh and grabs a sponge and starts re-cleaning all the countertops. And he said, it just kills me that nothing I do is ever good enough for her. Okay, I'm looking at some of your faces. Some, some of the women in the room, and I am sure some of the women in the other venues, have the same expression on our faces that I did the first 
I don't know, 20 times I heard this kind, this kind of story, this kind of example, and I'm gonna say out loud what ladies, what we're thinking inside, okay, you ready? This is kind of what we're thinking. <laughs> Dude, grow up. <laughs> right? This is kind of feeling like you are oh so oversensitive. That should not bother you, right? And finally, after I heard this so many times, it was like God whacked me over the head. And I realized, wait a minute. The reason I am saying that should not bother you is that it wouldn't bother me. He's not me. He's wired very differently. By the way, by a God who knew what he was doing. And it is so powerful for us to understand these little things that hit a nerve we didn't know was there. Because in this, this lady had no idea that when she recleaned the countertops, she was telling him, no, you're not able. No, you're not adequate. Oh, and this thing you did, it wasn't good enough. You failed. And we wouldn't intend to send that kind of message. So bottom line, this, in, this is an example of inextricably how this is entwined emotional intimacy and physical intimacy. We were talking about that story with a couple not long ago, and the husband, you know, he kind of was, when the wife left the room for a little bit, and he was telling my husband, Jeff, he said, this is totally what my wife does, and she doesn't realize She's basically emasculating me all day and then wanting me to sleep with her that night. It's like it doesn't work that way. And I'm quite sure the wife would be shocked to hear that that's how he feels. We have to understand this. So guys, what is it that you need to understand on your side? What is it that, that without intending to, you're hitting the nerve in your wife, that you're sending that message, that you're pulling down the emotional intimacy that you that you would really want to build. So remember, her question under the surface is, am I lovable, right? Well, guys, you know that your wife needs to feel loved. I think what you don't realize is how easy it is for her to not feel loved. See, here's what's going on. That question that's running under the surface, am I lovable? That doesn't go away just because she gets married. Any more than your question, do I measure up, would go away because you get married. In some cases, actually, it becomes even more intense because we're hitting each other's nerves and we don't realize it. See, for you, when you get married, guys, I think, honestly, something in your heart, you're like, of course she loves me. <laughs> we're married, right? And you need to know there is no switch in a woman's brain that gets flipped to the, oh, now I feel permanently loved position. And she has that question. It's just in marriage, it morphs to, does he really love me? Is he glad he married me? Would he choose me all over again? And that's running under the surface every day. I literally had a woman come up to me two weeks ago. We were in Pennsylvania. And she came up and she said that she and her husband had been married for 20 years. And on their wedding day, he came up to her and he said, just so you know, I'm telling you now, I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> like, I thought that was a bad joke, but like, <laughs> 
clearly this actually happened to this woman in Pennsylvania. But the thing is, guys, that's kind of how you feel. Like, of course I love you. And you don't realize that there's a nerve that's being hit and a message that's being sent to her that tells her something else without intending to. Let me give you an example. So imagine that you have um, an argument over breakfast and you're upset with each other and your wife knows, or, and this, this can be in many different situations, right? You can be dating or whatever, but you're, you're, you know that you're upset with each other and your wife or maybe your girlfriend, you're aware, she's aware that you're displeased. And now it's like you're so emotionally like done and you have to go to work and you, you've got a meeting. Guys, as you go, I gotta go, and you get in the car, you back out the driveway, as you drive up the street to your meeting, let me ask a question, guys. What happens in your mind to the thoughts of that argument? <laughs> Somebody over there just went, click. <laughs> right? It just, it's gone, right? At least for most men, not all, but most. Ladies, do you go click? (laughs) All the women in the room are shaking their heads. I'm sure in the other venues, it's the same. And why not? Guys, it's not that we're holding on to something. It's not that we're carrying a grudge. It's not that we're refusing to let it go. Instead, what's happened is that underground question has been triggered. And now, uh, that am I lovable, which in marriage becomes, does he really love me? That's risen up, and it's roiling during the day. And it's this question of, uh, are we okay? And that's a painful question. Jeff confessed to me recently that in those situations, you know, he's kind of forgot about it, and he hopes by the time he gets home that I've forgotten about it too. Unlikely. Because, like most women, that's there. Uh, Are we okay? Until I'm reassured. Guys, it makes all the difference in the world if you recognize that that nerve has been hit. If you recognize that there's a need for a reassurance. And if you say, look, I'm upset, I'm angry, I can't even think, I'm going to say something wrong, I got to go to work. But listen, I want you to know We're okay. (sighs) Makes all the difference because you have recognized in each other those things that are tearing down intimacy and stopping it before it can snowball. Okay, so what is it that builds intimacy? Briefly, this is speaking to that underground question every day and sending the positive message. So, Let's talk about the guys for a second. Ladies, we love to hear, I love you, right, for us, because it speaks to our question. Well, learning that a man's greatest need is different was hugely important for me. I didn't realize until I did the survey, the men on the survey said that if they had to make a choice, and by the way, they wouldn't want to have to make this choice, but if they had to, the men said, I would give up feeling that my wife or my girlfriend love me, if I could just feel that she appreciates me, that she respects me, that she believes in me, that she trusts me, and that she admires me. Those five things were more important to the average man even than feeling that his wife loved him. 
big difference because we women will say, I love you, we'll do things we hope he'll find to be loving, and at the same time, we don't realize we're criticizing him a lot, right? Or we're telling him what to do all the time. You know, <laughs> I was speaking at a marriage conference and I said that example of telling him what to do and I looked out and all the men are like vibrating in their seats because they're going, I can't nod. <laughs> I'll get in trouble if I nod, right? But we do. And instead, we need to be sending the message of I trust you, I appreciate you. Ladies, you know what says that? Believe it or not, it's not I love you. It's thank you. It is noticing the things he does and thanking him for the little things, like literally, thank you for noticing that the light bulbs were out. That was driving me nuts. Thank you for changing them. Thanks for putting gas in my car. Thanks for always, you're so tired and I know you came home after work and you played with the kids in the yard anyway. You're such a good dad. Thank you. These little things build them up because they say, I noticed what you did on the outside and it was good and I appreciate it. And it builds him up in the way he's longing to be built. That's what builds emotional intimacy from his side. From ours, guys, you need to know the little things matter because you're sending a message that I would choose you all over again today. That's what matters, is sending that message every day in little ways. You can literally tell her that by reaching across and taking her hand when you're walking across a parking lot. That says, I would choose you all over again today. Or sending her a text message after, you know, it's been such a hard day at work, I can't wait to see you tonight, I love you so much. Send, she'll save the text message, right? She'll screenshot it. That says that to her. You're sitting at church or out to dinner with another couple and you put your arm around her in church. That says, I would choose you all over again. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just instantly, <laughs> absolutely. And now every other guy in here is like, Duh. okay. <laughs> Listen, here's the thing, ladies, if he puts his arm around you next time, or he's taking your hand when you're walking across the parking lot. Don't go, you are only doing that because she told you to. <laughs> okay? Believe that this is how he feels about you. He just didn't know this mattered. Just like guys, when she says thank you, don't say you were only saying that because she told you to. Believe that this is how she feels. This is how we feel about each other. We just didn't know that saying it or doing it this way mattered. And we didn't know we needed to send this message because we didn't know that you had this vulnerability. This is what builds intimacy. So then what takes it the next step once the intimacy is built emotionally? What do we need to know about each other in order to build that connection physically, okay? So it turns out the way God has created us, there's something very, very important that we're being misunderstood, that, we, that we're, we have a misunderstanding on both sides. Gals, ladies in the room, listen, our big misunderstanding about men is that we think of physical intimacy in our marriages as being primarily a physical need. That's kind of the category we put it in, right? Like we're like, it's a physical need, it's a physical urge. And when you've been chasing kids all day, sleep seems like a physical need too. Can I get an amen or something? <laughs> okay, yes. Because, and we don't realize that for men, when I asked the men in the surveys, what's the importance of this in your life? 
the importance of it, what I heard had nothing to do with the physical, nothing. What I heard from them was entirely this enormous emotional need that they couldn't get met any other way. And ladies, here's what the need is. It's the need that every man has to feel that his wife desires him and that she wants him. And if a man feels that his wife desires him, it gives him a sense of confidence and a sense of well-being. But by the way, in all the other areas of his life, not just the bedroom. And it works in reverse too. If he doesn't feel desired, if he feels like it's a little too easy for her to be like, you know what, honey, I'm just really tired. It gives him the sense of, I must be so undesirable, I can't even compete with her pillow, right? That's what he's thinking. And there's a lack of well-being and a lack of confidence in the other areas of his life. Clearly, that is not primarily a physical need, the emotional piece of this at all, because it is this emotional need. Okay, so flip it. Now, what is it that, that men that you don't understand about your wife in this area? And, and by the way, I should say that in the surveys, um, I think it was about 18%, I think, of couples are flipped on this where the husband is probably the one who is less interested and the wife is chasing him around the bed, <laughs> okay? So 18% isn't a tiny number, right? Almost one in five couples. But for the majority, what is it that, that, that the husband doesn't know about the wife? The way that God wired men and women, it turns out there's a big physiological difference here. Let me explain this. Guys, if it's not happening as much as you want, you think there's only one reason why I'm not desirable to her. And that was only 4% of the women who said that if it was happening less than he wanted, that that was the reason why, 4%. 96% said something else. And, and the majority of that something else broke down into two categories. The second most important one is related to everything we've talked about up until now that she needs to feel close outside the bedroom in order to wanna to be close inside the bedroom. That's a huge deal for us as women. So everything we've talked about matters. But there was a whole nother issue. And the number one reason was a physiological difference in how God created men and women. Briefly, it turns out there's two different types of desire. Most of us don't know this, I sure didn't. There's something called assertive desire. And someone who has assertive desire has a desire to pursue sex and to initiate it and thinks about it all the time and is ready at a moment's notice. Guess who tends to have assertive desire, okay? It tends to be tied to testosterone. But there's another kind of desire. It's called receptive desire. Someone who has receptive desire is just as willing, enjoys it just as much when it's happening, but doesn't have the same desire to pursue it, doesn't think about it all the time, and here's the key, isn't ready at a moment's notice. Guess who tends to have receptive desire? It tends to be tied to estrogen. Someone with receptive desire just needs to be approached differently. Guys, this means she needs to know what you've got on your menu for the evening before you get to the bedroom, right? Now, some of the men are looking a little alarmed. Like, you mean I need to warn her? Like, that doesn't feel so good, no. We call it 
anticipation time. Literally letting her know in advance, you know, a little flirty comment, doing something so that it works her, her brain, wakes her brain up to so she can truly look forward to it later. I mean, literally, guys, you have heard that there's things that'll help, and it's true, they will, but, you know, like doing the chores or doing these things around the house or helping with the kids, all this stuff, it's true, it helps, but it's not that anticipation time. I mean, just because you're, you're scrubbing the toilets, is she thinking about sex? <laughs> you might be. <laughs> but you've got to do something that also wakes her brain up to it so she can look forward to it. I don't know. Like you're scrubbing the, the, the toilets and you're like... I don't know. <laughs> Do something, some, some flirty comments, something, so that she can be thinking about it later. It makes a huge difference. The key here is that it makes a huge difference if we work with how God has designed us to work in marriage rather than against it because it requires learning one another. Listen, I love that comment. Let me wrap up with this. I love the comment that Adam makes when God presents Eve to him. And, um, and he says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He's basically saying hubba hubba, right? And honestly, that's what God wants for us, is to have that delight, not just in the emotional intimacy, but the physical intimacy. So let me stop and pray. Let me just end by praying for our marriages here today, that we would have that delight in marriage. Lord, I am so grateful for the marriages represented here now and those that will come I am so grateful for a church that cares about marriage and is investing in this area. Lord, we pray that you would give us those marriages that delight not just in emotional but physical intimacy. Lord, we pray that the marriages represented here that need hope, that you would give them that hope to see that you wouldn't make this difficult and challenging, that there are some simple things that can make a big difference, even as they get help in others. And for the marriages here that are wonderful, that are just moving towards better, we thank you for those. We know ultimately a Christian marriage is supposed to re reflect the union of Christ in the church. That's what we want to show to the world, that level of love. We pray for all of that to exist here in Jesus' name, amen.